You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, it's Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher. Thank you for all your support on this podcast. It's been awesome. Whenever people come up to me, one of the first things they talk about is not just the site, but the podcast. And as a big podcast listener myself, I can't thank you enough for the support and helping us grow the Illini Inquirer podcast. We appreciate when you subscribe to us, give us ratings and reviews on this podcast. But we also really appreciate your support on the website. When you become a VIP member at Illini Inquirer, that allows us to spend the time and the energy and effort and the dollars it takes to cover your favorite team, Illinois, as in-depth as we do. So if you want to be a VIP member, now is a great time to do so. This weekend, starting Friday at midnight Eastern time, so 11 p.m. Central time on Thursday, we are running a 60% off VIP membership deal. So if you've never been a VIP member, this is the best time to do so. You can always get a VIP membership for $1 for your first month. Give us a try, and you can try out that way. But if you want to take advantage and get more than $70 of savings for your first year of VIP membership, now is the time to do so. Of course, by doing so, you get all the insight, analysis, Michael Tulip Film Rooms, Derek Piper Basketball Scoop, Joey Wagner and I covering the heck out of Illinois football as well, and everything that comes with a VIP membership, our community on the message boards as well. You get all of that. So give us a try and give us more support if you could. We appreciate it. It helps us grow this website, helps us grow the podcast, our YouTube presence. And I think if you notice, we invest back into the site to make the product as good as we can for all of you VIP members. So 60% off a VIP membership at Illini Inquirer. Just check the annual uh, package this month and you will have the chance to save more than $70. As always, we appreciate your support. Now let's get into the Illini Inquirer podcast. We're going to talk Big Ten basketball with our guy Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports. A lot of shakeup of the rosters in the Big Ten, including the positive way for Illinois adding Matthew Meyer of Baylor. Who's going to win Big Ten basketball in 2023? Let's talk about it coming up. Welcome back into the Online Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner and here today with Isaac Trotter. Every time we do this like once a month, it feels like Trotter. Like what we're going to see in, in college basketball and Big Ten basketball. And it's been an eventful month, both for Illinois basketball, adding two top 20 transfers in Matthew Meyer out of Baylor and Terrence Shannon out of Texas Tech. But it's been very eventful for the Big Ten. Some schools, not a very good month for them. Other schools, very, very good month. So what's up, man? We got a lot more meat to talk about this time rather than kind of speculating. These rosters, we're kind of understanding what they are now. Yeah, it's really fun right now because you can kind of start to piece these rosters together and you can kind of play the matchup game and the projected starting lineups and it's real. It's not, oh, it's not like a video game anymore. We're trying to add a guy to this team or hopping on Bart Torvik and saying, hey, how does this impact if you throw this one player on that team? So it's fun. This is the part of the season, though, where I feel like the moves might be a little bit less, but they're going to be really impactful moves. So a lot of these teams only have one or two scholarships open. Maybe they're already full, but the next few 
two moves here are going to really determine the rest of the season. And that that's the most fun. And that's the thing I'm really looking forward to the most. Yeah, I think there could still be some impactful moves, whether it's Michigan with its open spots, Purdue uh, obviously has a, a need in the backcourt. But let's start here, Isaac. Illinois clearly has done a heck of a job resetting, and Matthew Meyer is a big part of that. Um, what do you think of the Meyer addition for Illinois and how it impacts them? Yeah, so I remember the last time we talked, we talked about Pete Nance or Matthew Meyer, and which one would you prefer? And I felt like defensively reasons you'd probably want Nance, but I was more in the Meyer train just because I like that guy. I like watching him. There's something different about him. And he brings a chaos to the floor in a good way that I think this Illinois roster needs. And maybe it's one of those situations where like if Andre Curbelo was still on the team, you might not want two chaotic guys like this, but having one of them, is really nice and and i think that matthew meyer is a, a really good example of an illinois staff looking at a guy who has a winning pedigree and going if we give him a bigger role and we boost his usage rate i think he could be something really really special and so this is just a, an impactful piece that's just going to change how this entire team happens and i love how they kind of went stealth mode and came out of nowhere and was able to get him and when when we saw matthew meyer's final four I looked at that list and I go, two teams make the most sense here and two teams don't. And Texas Tech and Illinois, which Meyer said were the final two, made the most sense because of the usage rates and what you could potentially add. The North Carolina hype never made a ton of sense to me. Brady Manick and Matthew Meyer couldn't be even close to the same player. They're not even remotely the same. And, you know, Matthew Meyer would have gone from a 21% usage rate at Baylor to a 21% usage rate at North Carolina filling in for, for Manic, it didn't make any sense to me. And so I thought it said a lot about the kid that he picked one of Illinois or Texas Tech and said those two were the final two because he gets it. This was a basketball decision and everything else came up to play around it. But basketball-wise makes sense. And that's what we talk about in the transfer portal. Opportunity, experience, uh, you're looking for fit, you're looking for how it all comes together. That's what the kids need to prioritize. Not NIL deals, not which one gets you the most likes and retweets on Twitter and the most likes and comments on Instagram. It's about opportunity and fit. And I think Illinois fits everything that you would want for Matthew Meyer. So it's a really impressive decision by him. You mentioned the basketball. What does the basketball now look like at Illinois and with all these offseason additions? And who does this impact on the Illinois roster the most, do you think? Yeah, I think this is a really um, interesting offseason for Brad Underwood because you're seeing a total switch in what he wants to do defensively and what he wants to do offensively. And so I think this team could be really fun to watch and really nasty. Who does this impact, though? I think Coleman Hawkins and RJ Melendez are the two guys that this is an this is an eye-opening moment for them. Illinois goes out and adds Terrence Shannon Jr. and Matthew Meyer and basically tells those two guys, hey RJ, hey Coleman, we really like you. We like the upside, but if you don't defend and you don't put it all together in fall camp or, or, or the summer, you're not going to play as much. You're not going to have that starring role that you might potentially want. And the thing that I like about Terrence Shannon Jr. and Matthew Meyer is both of those guys complement what RJ does well. And they both those guys complement what Coleman does well. But it brings a different level to this roster, and there brings a little bit more competitiveness in the summer. And you kind of look at the projected starting lineup, and you go, okay, Sky Clark at the one, and Terrence Shannon Jr. at the two, RJ Melendez at the three, Matthew Meyer at the four, and Coleman Hawkins at the five. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. But I also wonder, 
would it be better to bring RJ Melendez off the bench and maybe start with a shooter and look Luke Goody at the three that you need more spot up shooting in this lineup and have a situation where RJ Melendez, Terrence Shannon Jr. and Matthew Meyer, two of those guys are on the floor at all times. And that option wasn't available to this staff two weeks ago. Now you can start having those conversations on how we best utilize it so that every single time, every single rotation, every single time we have on the floor, you have two legitimate dudes on the wing. When's Illinois had that? Like, when has Illinois had that? Illinois has an embarrassment of riches right now on the wing, which a lot of teams in the Big Ten cannot say that. So the pressure is on RJ Melendez and Coleman Hawkins to come in and compete and win their spot and earn their minutes. And if they're as good as the Illinois staff thinks they are, they'll do that. Yeah, I just think there's going to be a lot of competition, right? I mean, Luke Goody, Ty Rogers in that front court on the wing. Now they got Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer, you add to that. You know, Dane Danger's got to compete for his minutes, I think, now at the five. I mean, is it ideal to have Coleman Hawkins at the five? I don't know, but with all the other length and athleticism they got, I think that could be a matchup problem for a lot of Big Ten teams. Then, you know, even Sky Clark and Jaden Epps, I think that's great to have that kind of competition uh, at guard. Who has had the best offseason in the Big Ten? Is it Illinois or is it somebody else? I do, I do think it's Illinois. I, I, when you look at the amount of retooling that they've done, I think they have the number two rated transfer class in 24-7 sports right now. Uh, you're talking about two legit dudes that they just added. No one else in the Big Ten can say that. Ohio State's had a nice offseason. They've added some really nice freshmen. They've added some really solid transfers who are more role players. But I think if you looked at this Illinois roster and you're thinking about maybe all Big Ten projections, Illinois added two guys who could be all Big Ten players next year. And that's something different. And I think the big thing is that you're seeing an Illinois roster that doesn't look like a Big Ten roster. Does that mean they'll win the Big Ten? I don't know. But I think the upside for this roster is as good as anybody. And let's not sleep on this recruiting class. I think it's fun to focus on the transfers and the known commodities and what we've seen from the college level. But I I think they've added at least three freshmen that could be really, really impactful right away. Like, I think – you know, it, it helps a lot on the recruiting trail when you sell a vision to somebody in the recruiting trail and you back it up. And Illinois not going out and adding a veteran guard is basically saying, hey, Sky Clark, hey, Jade Nepps, what we sold on the recruiting trail is the truth. We sold early opportunity at point guard. We sold the chance to have the ball in your hands. And I think both of those guys could do a little bit more. And, and my, my early year, like, wait, hey, what can you do from those guys? I go, can you defend? Can you not turn it over? And can you kill drop coverage? Those are my three things I keep thinking about with Jaden Epps and Sky Clark because a lot of the teams in the Big Ten, you look at Purdue, they're only going to play drop coverage and ball screens. If you can kill it, that's a big, big plus. Michigan, they can't play anything other than drop coverage with Hunter Dickinson. And so those two teams are two teams that we expect to be pretty good this year. And if both of those guys can can make those big men really uncomfortable in pick and rolls – that just adds so much value. And I think you're going to see these freshmen, like it's easy to focus on the transfers, but these freshmen are going to be in a spot where they don't have a lot on their shoulders and they can just let their talent come out in spurts. And they can give you just the same or maybe more than what Chucky Hepburn gave Wisconsin last year, which was a really, really impactful starting Big Ten point guard. All right, we just had this draft decision day, right? And, and we knew Trace Jackson Davis was coming back, and that's a, that's huge for Indiana. We'll talk about Indiana, dive into them a little bit because the hype train is, is full go in Bloomington, Indiana. But Chris Murray comes back. Caleb McConnell comes back. We'll talk about the guys who left, but how, how does that impact the Big Ten race, those couple decisions? 
Yeah, I think it's huge for, especially for Iowa. I think that an Iowa roster would have looked really incomplete without Chris Murray on there. And maybe they could have added somebody in the transfer portal, but Chris changes everything for them. And, you know, one of my bold, boldish predictions is that Pat McCaffrey will be the leading scorer for that Iowa team. But I think Chris Murray is going to be obviously their best overall player and just everything he can do. And uh, his dad was on Twitter basically saying he's not going to play the five this year, which I think is pretty interesting because last year he played over 400 possessions at the five and I was offensive numbers or through the roof with Chris Murray at the five. So it was just interesting to see that maybe we see more of a perimeter game with him, but he's just a mismatch hunter. And I think that that Iowa team is going to score a lot of points. And I think defensively they're set up to be really good. And if you look at all the big 10 teams, you go, okay, Illinois doesn't look like a big 10 roster, right? Neither does Iowa with some of the wings and the athleticism that they have. So that's huge. Obviously, the Rutgers decision is really big. I still have questions about if they can score, but with Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy on the floor, I know they're going to defend, especially with Cliff Omaruri inside. So I think that the floor for Rutgers just got so much higher. We'll see how the scoring comes together, and, and that's just going to be a question with the Rutgers all the time. But I also help think it helps the Big Ten's overall profile to get a player like Chris Murray back. I think if you lost – Caleb Houston, you lost Usa Diabate, you lose Max Christie, you lose Malachi Branham, and then you also lose Chris Murray. That That's kind of a tough look next year and could be a, a little bit more of a rugged Big Ten, but getting him back kind of changes it and gives you some more star power. Let's talk about the teams that were probably most negatively impacted of the last couple months here, Isaac. Michigan has to be up there. I mean, they're still talented, but to lose both Diabate and Houston, even though that that's not the most surprising, but still not guaranteed first round picks. Um, that that's that's a huge blow, but they also get Hunter Dickinson back. They lost Frankie Collins as well, a guy I thought was coming on towards the end of the year. Michigan State, we gotta bring up Tom Izzo, man. Like Max Christie losing him, not a surprise for the last year. Right? We thought he would be a one and done. Maybe not the year they expected. But they haven't added anybody in the transfer portal, despite having a solid core coming back, right? And then Purdue, uh, Zach Eady's back, but a lot of other key pieces are gone. You think Purdue, you give them a little credit that they're going to develop their players, but they still got a big hole at that point guard position. So who's had the most disappointing offseason of those three teams? I still think are going to be pretty good, right? Yeah, I think Purdue stands out to me the most. Uh, the the Getting Eady back is fine, and I love the young pieces and everything, but they let Eric Hunter Jr. transfer to Butler because he didn't think he was going to have a spot. That kind of tells me that they thought they had someone lined up and they were working real hard for Nigel Pack and that didn't happen. And so then you go, okay, well, they got to have somebody else lined up. And immediately after that, Tyrese Hunter puts Purdue in their top six. And you go, okay, well, that makes sense then. If if they're going to be able to get him, then okay, good backup plan. Well, Tyrese Hunter picks Texas. And now I look at this team and I go, okay, so you're losing Sasha Stefanovic. You're losing Travion Williams, you're losing Jaden Ivey, you're losing Eric Hunter Jr., and you're losing Isaiah Thompson, and you're replacing them with what? And so this, this is a program that has not made a Final Four, and after Matt Painter's comments, after they lost to St. Peter's, they had everything lined up. Let's also remember that, too. Everything lined up. You have a lottery pick, you have a team full of seniors, you have everything going together. You have a really great team who lost four or five games in Big Ten play, uh, at buzzer beating threes and didn't get a big 10 title who lost to a 15 seed in the sweet 16 with a wide open path to the final four. And you've now had this off season that that is 
brutal. Like that is a brutal off season. And I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what this roster looks like if they don't add another point guard, maybe it all works out. Maybe Zach Eady has a 40% usage rate and they just throw the ball to him every single time down the floor and it works out. But my God, like this is a roster that needs a playmaking point guard. They had all the opportunity to sell. And I can't help but wonder if Jaden Ivey having the being the third highest used player on his own team last year, and maybe his frustrations with how the offense ran at first and how it took a little while for him to get trusted with a lot of pick and roll. Part of me wonders if that impacts things. Yeah. Part of me wonders what your sell is to guys in, in the transfer portal when you're on the record saying, hey, we throw to our big men second most than any team in the country. Like, I don't know if that sell works. And I wonder if it's an open door for Matt Painter to be like, maybe we need to change some things up and how we recruit and how we attack things and and if and maybe re-examine if this is going to work long-term. Yeah, listen, Purdue's identity has been that big man, right? And and it works for him in the regular season. I mean, they got regular season titles. They, they get high seeds in the NCAA tournament. But you've seen Underwood change, right? Like, and, and Kofi did such great things for Illinois, but after so many failures in the NCAA tournament or, or back-to-back early exits, he makes a change. Says, "Hey, we got to be different." Haven't seen that from Painter yet. And, and when you had a a prolific player like, like Jaden Ivey, who I thought could have easily been the Big Ten Player of the Year in a loaded year if he got more shots or if they ran the offense through him. So it will be interesting. I'm also, you know, we talk about adjustments. Painter, it's worked for him for so long, but it's a different era. NIL is a different era. When it comes to Tom Izzo, man, um, I think it's a good roster. You and I both, I think, like their guards next year. Malik Hall is a good player. Is he a star in the Big Ten? Sometimes, right? Um, and, And then we can look at... You know they got some they got some good players. Joey Hauser coming back. Jay Nakins could take a huge step forward. I, th- I think Walker and 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 Hogard towards the end of the year were playing really well, but they need another piece, right? And and he just seems very stubborn that he's not going to add a transfer. Like Michigan State should be appealing to a big man, and and they didn't go out and seem to put effort into getting one. Yeah, they basically called it good, and I, yeah. I, it's weird. It, you know, if you if you look at if you look at the Big Ten coaches, you could argue that no one is more proven than Tom Izzo and Matt Painter. And so, for both of those two guys to have confusing off seasons, maybe they prove us wrong. Maybe maybe winning the off season isn't the way to win the Big Ten in the long term. And maybe they come in and, and they know their evaluations and it works out. But on paper, Michigan State has a huge hole at center. Maddie Sissoko right now is a guaranteed starter. They have the Kohler kid, the freshman who is solid, but they're begging for another one. I also think they have a huge hole in the wing. Right now, we like their backcourt, but Tyson Walker's about 6'1". Hogard's like 6'3"-ish. Aikens is 6'4". How, they how have often no do wing we call, defender. How often do we call a Michigan State team small? <laughs> right. You know who they could really use? Ty Rogers. And they don't have him. And so I just look at this team and I go, you have had wings for decades and you don't have a wing now. Gabe Brown is gone. Max Christie is gone. Those are your two best premier wing defenders. So you're going to have to try rely on, on smaller wings. I look at the Illinois matchup. Okay, how do you match up if you're playing Illinois? When Illinois plays Terrence Shannon Jr., RJ Melendez, Matthew Meyer, and Coleman Hawkins together, that's a tough matchup for Michigan State. You're having two 6'4 guys having to guard Terrence Shannon Jr. and R.J. Melendez. Illinois should abuse them on the glass. Illinois should make their life living hell defensively with how they can fly around. And so it feels like Illinois' roster looks like a Michigan State roster, and Michigan State roster does not look like a Michigan State roster anymore. And so maybe Izzo's right. 
And I think that's the biggest qualifier for all of these things. But it's concerning that the two, you know, veteran coaches who've done a lot of winning don't necessarily seem like very keen on adjusting to the new game. And adjustment is everything. You don't have to like it, but you got to adjust. And Brad Underwood has adjusted and some other coaches have adjusted and it feels like Izzo and Painter have not. And that's a concern for me long term. And again, maybe maybe they're right, but it's a concern right now. Yeah, I mean, if Julius Marble comes back, I feel pretty good uh, about Michigan State. Of course, he transfers goes closer to home in Texas. But it's like, man, like you don't need a star. I don't think either of us is saying they need a star. But like just to say, no, we're good. We don't need to add a transfer. It just seems like is that helping your program? Like you don't got you don't got to completely change how you feel about development and, and bringing guys in. Uh, Underwood feels that way, right? But at some point. I think you got to try and bring that guy in. Like Painter's tried to get the guard, right? I'll give him that. Painter's try. It just doesn't seem like Izzo's trying that. And I just, you know, obviously last year they make a Sweet 16, they get hot at the right time, uh, but at the same time, or not Sweet 16, they got to round of 32 and played Duke, um, and they made the the Big Ten tournament, you know, semifinals there. So they had a decent end to the year, but. Michigan State is not the same Michigan State it was five, six years ago, right? Where they were kind of the power. And some of that, it's like, hey, Tom, if you're going to continue doing this thing and being here for a while, like you might have to change a little bit. And the staff turnover is weird too. Yeah. Some of the stuff that, that that they've had there, Dan, Dan Fife or Dane Fife left, and then the longtime assistant just took the job up at Western Michigan. Uh, the, the other guy too, it's like Cutis Wahab was sitting in the portal for weeks. Perfect. Perfect begging for Michigan State to offer him and didn't happen and didn't happen it's it's just really weird and I you know I look at their team and I, I can understand like if you go with their starting five and you go Hall and Hauser at the four and five and you want to play small that's fine I get it but like and that might work but they don't have depth their margin for error is so thin right now and it just feels that that's just frustrating to me it's really frustrating to me because I, I look at that Michigan State team and I go there's so many really talented players in the portal and if you add one of those pieces that's a team that could easily be awesome like awesome Keon Brooks from from Kentucky would have been a great fit on the wing for them to give them a, a little bit more star power a punch add a um, you know a big man like Wahab and we're talking how Michigan State's the best team in the Big Ten and so that that's the frustrating part to me. It's not because like we're frustrated that Michigan State's gonna be bad. It's the frustrating yeah. that it feels like they're only a couple pieces away from being really awesome, and they're choosing not to do it. And that just goes against my competitive like that what what you want from a competitive team, that competitive balance. Yeah, yeah. I, you, everything you said, I still think they could be really good. I just thought you add a piece or two, you could be great. Like I, I thought they had the potential to be that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Isaac. What do we let's before we get to the the big one? What do you think of Michigan? This is a team that I thought if one of those guys came back, Houston or Diabate, I know Juwan Howard to this audience is not well liked. Michigan is not well liked, but Juwan is bringing in another top ranked recruiting class. 
I still think they could be very appealing to whoever transfers are out there um, with, with a need at the three, at the four, playing next to Hunter Dickinson should give you space. So I still think they could they could make a, a big addition here to whoever's left in the portal. But um, this is a team I thought I would have, number one, if one of those guys, Houston or Diabate, came back. But then Frankie Collins leaves as well, and it's just like, man, that, that roster – a lot more unknown, but Howard has found a way to have success with unknown rosters late in the season here. Yeah, right now on paper, it's not it's not pretty. It's not a team that's going to win a, a Big Ten title, I don't think. Uh, I do think, though, that I would be shocked if they don't add a, a transfer. Just shocked. Because they just have so much opportunity. And just what they've done in the portal for the last few years, they've been very appealing. So it's going to happen. But you look at this recruiting class, and I think Jet Howard is obviously going to be the number one player of this recruiting class. But I my expectations for Terrace Reed, who's another top 40 big man, they're a little bit weird. With I, I'm, I just don't know if I see a, foresee a role with him and Hunter Dickinson on the floor. And this is why last year makes me interested in what Jawan Howard does in the future. And I think we'll learn a lot about Jawan in the portal here in the next couple of weeks because Michigan played a lot of lineups last year that did not have shooting. Like I look at like Illinois is going. Everyone's going to make this comparison. I'm just going to get ahead of it. Illinois and Michigan are completely different from where they were last year. Everyone says, "Oh, Michigan had all these new pieces. It took them time to get together. They made a run and and got good at the end of the year." That that I'm not using that for Illinois at all because the roster that Michigan put together last year was clunky. Like they had way too many non-shooters. I, and I, Illinois I, does not. I can understand the the development. You know, where, hey, by March, they could be really dangerous. It might be shaky early on. But the style of play is like Iowa, right? Like, I think that the change of Garza to, wow, we're going a, a, a roster that's long, athletic, plays defense, right? Like, I think that's how the post-Kofi roster with all their length. I, I think it's more like Iowa last year. I just think they have more talent on the roster than Iowa had last year, outside of Keegan, of course. Yeah, no, I agree. But, like, the thing with Michigan that I'm – what I'm also saying is that it just feels like – it feels like that roster took time to come together because it was clunky yeah. and because it, it the the roster construction was weird. And so I think that like who they potentially add needs to be a shooter. You cannot have Hunter Dickinson surrounded by multiple non-shooters on the floor. Now, I, I think Jalen Llewellyn might end up being the best uh, transfer point guard that they've added out of the last couple of years. I think he's better than Devontae Jones. I think he's better than Mike Smith. So that, that's an upgrade there, but you're asking a lot out of Kobe Bufkin as a, a second-year guy to show a lot. Like, Kobe Bufkin did not show, like, like I think you could put him in the same type of boat as R.J. Melendez where some of the tantalizing pieces were there, but R.J. was more tantalizing. He had more wow moments as a, as a you know, seldom-used freshman compared to Bufkin. So there's a lot on him at the two. And then you're looking at Terrence Williams, the second, having to play a lot right now at the four, he's been streaky as ever like they think that he could be good but he's super streaky so I think Michigan needs to add a shooter they need to add depth on the wing and I, I expect Jet Howard to be good but this recruiting class that's so good I, I only see one guy that really is going to play a lot early it feels like you know Terrace Reed's going to be a backup big man at best so we'll learn a lot about Juwan in the next couple of weeks I would be shocked if they didn't add another guy and I'm going to kind of hold out on my Michigan how how this looks until I see yeah. what that piece looks like and if it's not a shooter I'm going to be really concerned uh, you know who makes a lot of sense would be Jacob Grandison uh, he, he makes perfect sense he would make a lot of sense there 
Jacob Grandison's one of those players that like you go down the list and you go, yeah, he'd be awesome on Kentucky. He'd be great at Duke. He'd be great at Michigan. It's like every single place he goes, he'd be great. Would he? And then you look at the message board, you go, we do not want Jacob Grandison back next year. Like, absolutely not. He's going to stunt the development of RJ Melendez, all of these things. He's Luke Goody 2.0, all of the things. It's just funny. And maybe they're right, but it's just interesting because Grandison's a really high floor player. Well, it tells you how much better Illinois has gotten on the wing that, that they can discuss that because, yes, I mean, wouldn't be a surprise if Duke or Michigan or some of these schools w- would want a guy that can slide into that role. It'll be interesting to see what Jake wants, and, and I think he's got to get a waiver to, to play. Um, so he's one of the few, I think, that that would need that because he didn't enter the transfer portal. So, uh, But I just think he's going to be a really wanted guy. I think Pete Nance would fit in, into Michigan uh, as well. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, where Nance goes from here. All right, let's talk about the big one. The hype train is rolling at Indiana, and listen, I get it. More than any Big Ten team, they return a ton of production. They return uh, the probably the preseason player of the year. I would go with Hunter Dickinson as the preseason player of the year, but Trace Jackson Davis certainly is a very good player in his own right. But for a 9-11 and team last year, uh, does add some really good uh, prep prospects, uh, but no transfers, um, to, to my knowledge here, Isaac Trotter. Like, are they the no doubt number one team in the Big Ten entering next season? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I don't see it at all. I don't see it at all. And, you know, I, I just look at this Indiana roster and they shot 33% from three last year and it was a struggle offensively. And then they lose Parker Stewart, who led the way with 53 threes. And, you know, you look at some of the rosters or the lineups that they could trot out. And I go, do you have one and a half shooters on the floor? Like I'm calling Xavier Johnson a half shooter because sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's abysmal from three. And it really looks like you're really going to, you know, rely on Miller Cop to be your premier floor spacer for every single thing that you do. And so I, I just look at this Indiana team and we are going to trust a five-day span where they looked competent you know from march 10th to march 15th they look competent and they won a, an ncaa tournament game a first four game but we're not going to talk about the saint mary's blowout in the round of, in the 64 like we're going to not talk about like the fact that they went from january 21st to march 5th and won three against three big 10 opponents they won three games against penn state Maryland and Minnesota like we're just not we're just going to ignore those things like if they made a final four elite eight and made a run like UCLA did I would understand that hype but we're kind of jumping the the cart here a little bit like it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me because again at the end of the day they're only going to have one way that they can win they're going to win with defense and they're going to win with slowing the pace down. And in the big 10, that could work against some of the lower teams that maybe struggle to score. And I get it, but I keep looking at how many opportunities can you win? How many games can you win playing a different style? Indiana has one style that they have to play every single time and they have to execute late. And we've never seen through the trace Jackson Davis area era, this team be able to execute late and close games on a consistent basis. We've never seen sustained winning for, you know, a couple weeks stretch throughout this era. Like Illinois, every single year under Brad Underwood has had a stretch where they get hot and they win four or five games and they look really good and they look connected for a month. They they peak at the right time, it feels like. You see it with Michigan. They have stretches where they peak. Wisconsin, they peak and they have those stretches. We have not seen that from Indiana. So now we're going to assume that this team, that because we know the names and because we know the guys that are on the roster, this is automatically going to, they're going to flip that around. And I just look at this team and I go, it's going to be 57-53 at the under four timeout, like 20 times this year in Big Ten play. 
can they win 15 of those 20 close games every single time, make the right plays late to execute? So it's just, I, I think they should be good. I think that they should be a team that could compete. But to just circle them as like the number one team, no doubt, in the Big Ten and how the Big Ten runs through Indiana, that just seems misguided because the, the, the problems of this roster are still there. They did not address them. And they missed out on Sean McNeil from West Virginia, who would have been perfect. And they missed out on him. I, I like the additions, but Jalen hood Shafino is not known as a knockdown catch-and-shoot guy. And so it feels like feels like the, the same concerns I had with Indiana last year are here now, and we're talking about a team that won one NCAA tournament game against a Mountain West team who I love the Mountain West, but you know what I mean? It's a Mountain West. And and now they're the Big Ten favorite. I, I just – I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, listen, Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson's as good as a 5-4 combo you're going to find in, in the country, one of them. Um, and Jordan Geronimo, great athleticism. Um, and you bring in a guy like Shafino, who's who's obviously a very talented guard. He's he's not top five guy. He's not like a guy that's projected to go top ten in the lottery. Now now can he be that? But his strength is not shooting, right? And that, that is their their biggest need. And as you said, they lost some of their best three point shooters. Miller Cop was not great for them last year. So who's going to take that leap? Is Geronimo all of a sudden a thirty five percent three point shooter? Is you know, Tamar Bates, former five-star, but is is he all of a sudden a 35% three-point shooter? He was better as a prep prospect. You know, last year, I think he shot 27%. Is Trey Galloway all of a sudden a shooter? Like, I think Mike Woodson can coach. I think he can coach defense. I think this team's going to be probably the one or two defense in the Big Ten. But as you said, a lot of these games are close, Isaac. And are they going to be able to score? Are they going to be able to create? And and that's still my big thing there. There's a lot of talent. I'll pick them to finish top five. I can see why people would have them as, as one of the favorites. But it's a no-doubt favorite. I'm not there yet. Yeah, agreed. And I, I do think that Tamar Bates could be a, a riser this year. And I think it would be unfair to talk about Indiana without saying, you know what, if he makes a year or two jump, that changes things. Right. But I still have questions about, like, can you make a year two jump with a featured, you know, you know, superstar big man? Like it was not easy for Jaden Ivey at times last year, you know, and the year two jumps that we saw from Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis were because they got mega usage rates on really solid teams with role players that complemented them really, really well. And Bates isn't going to have that. So I, I, I'm just a little bit concerned about this team long-term and I, I still think they're going to be solid. I think that their floor is really high, but their ceiling is is really interesting to me and maybe it all comes together maybe all the guys take big jumps but it just feels like a team that like has a lot of flaws that didn't get fixed but now they're all of a sudden good i'm just i'm not buying it listen indiana would be a top 25 team for me but i think them being the favorite now in the big 10 says a lot about the rest of the big 10 (laughs) no question i think that says as much as anything all right isaac i got two more for you one who's the team people are sleeping on i got mine and it's a team people always sleep on. But, you know, Ohio State and these Bart Torvik projections is low despite a good offseason, but they lost so much. Rutgers always seems a little underrated. Uh, mine is Wisconsin <laughs> because I know Johnny Davis is gone. But I like Tyler Wall a lot. He was a third-team selection for me. I think Chucky Hepburn takes a big step forward. And I think Stephen Crawl takes a big step forward. And I think you just got to give the benefit of the doubt to Greg Gard at this point, just like you did with Bo Ryan. Uh, who's the most underranked here? Yeah, I, Wisconsin would be there for me, but I also think Ohio State. Uh, I think sometimes in the in the preseason, it's easy to like teams that we know the names of and we've seen them play. 
And it's harder to buy in on the projections on what this could look like because we don't see it. But I just look at this Ohio State roster and it's really deep. And this Ohio State staff cannot stop talking about Bryce Sensabaugh. They call him the six foot six version of Dwayne Washington Jr. They think he's going to be the best three point shooting freshman in the country next year, which it's off season, whatever. It's June. You can say whatever you want. But that kind of caught my eye. Did you hear Dane Dane just going to play 30 minutes a game? 35, all Big Ten. Uh, and so then uh, the other thing with Ohio State is that Justice Suing is coming back. That's an all Big Ten type of player. Zed Key is a really solid big man that you really like who does a lot of winning things. And then Isaac Likely, Tanner Holden, Sean McNeil, those are three really solid transfers. So I think that Ohio State team, they, they wouldn't surprise me at all if they, they flirt with the top five in the Big Ten just because like they have a roster that – while it's young, while it's unproven, I think we have to trust Chris Holtman's eye for talent after the last couple of years and trust that he's going to put them in a perfect situation to really succeed early, a.k.a. Malachi Branham, a.k.a. E.J. Liddell, all we've seen, Dwayne Washington. And so I just think that these this Ohio State team, just because you don't know the names, doesn't mean that they're a team that can't really compete in this Big Ten that seems wide open and really unproven. Yeah, Chris Holtman, along with Brad Underwood, one of those coaches who's probably under most pressure to to have some NCAA tournament success. But I like him. I, I know he's not uh, as welcome in Ohio State, it seems like. But the, the talent he gets, the transfer, the way he builds the roster, I thought this offseason was was really good. All right, last one for you, guys. A couple more minutes. Isaac Trotter's picked to win the Big Ten on June 2nd, 2022. We're going to hold you to it. God, I hate this. Uh <laughs> This is so stupid. This is just for fun, but this is like the the dumbest thing we can do. Like I could, I think there's an argument for ten teams to think they can compete and and have a top three spot in the Big Ten. Yeah. So here's where I'm at in the Big Ten race. It feels like you're either in one of two camps. Either you're buying into a team that has a bunch of newcomers that you've never seen play together and is exciting, or you're buying into the mediocre team that has all the same names back and you're expecting them to make a big jump. I'm not a guy that likes mediocre teams. I like the high upside ones. And I I really legitimately think Illinois gives a lot of teams problems. If you go down the list and do starting lineups and how Illinois matches up with them or how they do that, I don't think Illinois goes to any Big Ten team and goes, you know what, I don't know how we guard them or I don't know how we're going to score against them. Like, I think they are more concerned about themselves and getting their tweaks right because when they come together, this is a team that could be really, really dangerous and cause a lot of problems. And there's a lot of questions about this roster. Can you win with freshman point guards? Can you win with new te- new faces and not a lot of experience coming back? But pound for pound, talent-wise, Illinois is as talented or better than every single team in the Big Ten. They're longer. They're more athletic. They're faster. They're more versatile. They can win in different ways. They have depth. They have upside. Like, this is a team that could be really dangerous. So, I I guess right now it comes down to Illinois or Indiana. I'll pick Illinois because I just don't like what Indiana's roster still is, and I have a lot more questions about them. But this is an Illinois team that if if it comes together, they're the number one, number two defense in the country – or in the conference. They're probably a top two or three offense, especially in transition. And they give so many team fits – so many ones like you can't like I like I look at Indiana and how Indiana matches up with Illinois you're I I like Illinois matchups on the wing there I think Illinois can give Trace Jackson Davis problems by blitzing him with 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 double teams and getting in the lane and and forcing turnovers and getting out in transition and running on them I I don't trust Indiana's jump shooters I, I like Illinois catch and shoot guys like it just feels like this Illinois team is deeper and has more answers so it'd be Illinois for me and honestly second it'd be Iowa 
because I really like that roster. So Illinois too. or Iowa for me. And and just all the same things I said about Illinois, I can say about Iowa just because of how deep they are. And I think both of those teams are going to really, really be scary because just because they don't look like Big Ten teams. Yeah. If Michigan or Michigan State adds something, I'd, I'd consider them. I, I really, really would because I like their core, but they, I feel like they're missing a piece or two. Uh, so it makes it a lot more difficult. But there's Isaac Trotter. Toot toot for Illinois in front of the train, the hype train for Illinois heading this offseason. That's credit to Brad Underwood, man, and what his staff has done. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens the rest of the offseason because you could still see some transfers coming to the Big Ten and shake some of this up. But the one thing I know, Isaac, I don't know if there's an elite team in the Big Ten. I doubt there probably is at this point, but it's going to be fun. I, I, like I said, I think one through ten, this league is is really, really competitive. Yep. Yeah, just get to 15 wins in the Big Ten, I think you might earn a share of the Big Ten title. And that can't say that a lot about a lot of leagues. And I, I just think that uh, top to bottom, this league is maybe it doesn't have that upside, but night to night, it's going to be just as entertaining as anything you'll find in college basketball. And, you know, we're going to watch every single second of it and really enjoy it. Isaac Trotter, you're the goods, man. Thank you. Anytime. Great stuff, as always, from Isaac Trotter, who's doing great stuff for our 24-7 Sports National Desk, especially on the college basketball portion of things. And, boy, it's been an interesting offseason in the Big Ten. And right now, almost every projection has no Big Ten team in the top ten, a couple within the top 25, but a lot of them in that 25 to 50 range. So I, I think it's going to be an exciting year in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, maybe not the elite teams, top 10 teams that we've seen during the last couple of years, but that hasn't worked out for them in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think Trotter has pointed out two teams that have kind of adjusted how they play, what they recruit, and that's Illinois and Iowa. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how those teams um, fare, especially in the postseason compared to maybe – the Purdue, Michigan State's, the teams that maybe haven't made as big of adjustments here, though, his own painter, get some benefit of the doubt given their history. But it's going to be a fascinating year in the Big Ten. I, I agree with Trotter. I think, you know, Ohio State's team that that's a little overlooked, at least in some of these projections, I, I think Wisconsin is. I just think if you overlook Wisconsin at this point, it's to your own peril. It's going against so many years of history, including under Greg Gargs. We still keep thinking, oh, this is the year it all falls apart for him. And it doesn't. They just do what they do so well. All right, thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. As I said in the open, take advantage of our 60% off VIP membership deal going on this weekend. We're going to have another one uh, later on in the month, but take advantage of this. We appreciate all the support of our VIP members, and this is a great time to do it as we have the basketball offseason. Derek Piper is out on the recruiting trail. Football, huge month ahead for recruiting. We'll have you covered uh, completely at Illini Inquire. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquire podcast.